Hello, and welcome to the Aquarian Spirals podcast. Musings on astrology, cosmology, practical woo, non-monogamy, and just general witchiness. Your guide to love-soaked revolution and paradigm shift. Hello friends, welcome to episode 33. I am recording this on Tuesday, March 14th. (laughs) And I'm using a microphone that's a little bit touchier than one I normally use. So there we are. I'm your host, Amanda Moreno. AquarianSpirals.com is where you find me. If you're new here, welcome. Um, I recommend checking out the first few episodes of this podcast, which will give you a little bit more information about who I am. You know, it was recorded a couple years ago, but it's still fairly up to date. Um, And so I'm recording this podcast kind of in the middle of March when we have so much going on, astrologically speaking. Clearly, there continues to be a lot going on in the world, but I just wanted to kind of take, you know, I'm guessing 20 to 30 minutes of your time (laughs) to go through some of the things that I've been thinking about about these transits, um, ways to work with them, Uh, ways to work with change in general, a little bit of commentary on what I'm seeing at the world stage. And so this is going to be one of those more meandering ones. I do sometimes script my podcast just because the way that I write is very similar to the way that I speak. So it works out really well, Um, but I'm not doing this for this one. So I have some ideas. I have some ideas about where we're going. Um, But I want to start with a couple of announcements. So let's just do that first. Uh, For those of you who know about my Patreon, you will hopefully know that there is an Astro Circle coming up on March 21st. We're going to be talking about Pluto in Aquarius. Um, So it'll go more in depth than what I will do in this podcast. But March 21st is kind of a special day because there's also a really potent new moon going on. And so we're going to, at the end of Astro Circle, kind of add on a half an hour to do a little bit of guided visualization and um, just try to make use of that Aries new moon energy. So if you're not a Patreon, you can subscribe at as low as $5 a month to get access to things like, you know, Astro Circle, which is a monthly 90 minute workshop or lecture about astrology, new moon guidance, full moon guidance. And I think that, you know, (laughs) the real boon to the way that I do things is that I'm really invested in having, you know, being connected with my students, my clients, my subscribers. And so it is a very personal space. There is a community there. um, And, I really enjoy working with folks over time. And so, you know, I encourage you to do things like email me with questions. I encourage you to, you know, relate to astrology in the ways that make sense to you. And then we'll talk about it. So I like to think that it's a very, you know, I'm a very approachable person in that space. But along with that, in terms of announcements, you know, one of the things that I did at the beginning of the pandemic was made Astro Circle available 
at the five and ten dollar levels when it had only been available at the twenty dollar levels prior to that and so because you know cost of living is increasing i don't know if you've noticed um i am making it so that Astro Circle is no longer going to be included at the $5 level after April. So if you want to come check it out for $5 a month, I recommend doing that this month or next month. Um, the other change that I will be making is to the $20 a month level. And so currently the $20 a month level includes all the things I've already mentioned, new moon guidance, a full moon visualization and community hangout time, um, you know, access to any articles that I write, podcasts, transcripts, ability to email me with questions, but it also includes three free one-on-one -on -one sessions with me a year. So that's with every four months of membership, you get a 50-minute one-on-one session with me that can be used for ongoing coaching, dream work, ritual design, you know, you name it. So that is going to remain the case for anybody who joins by April 30th, $20 a month. Um, after April 30th, that incentive is going to shift to just two free sessions a year. So that's a session every six months. So, you know, if you're wanting to just kind of take advantage of that three free sessions a year, I would recommend joining before May 1st. And there's some other things going on with Patreon, but that's enough to cover for now. In terms of other announcements, um, I'll be speaking at the Working with or Time for Technique conference for OPA, Organization for Professional Astrology. Uh, that's the weekend of April 22nd. I'm going to be talking about working with difficult transits. I'll also be speaking at NORWAC, that's the Northwest Astrological Conference. That is Memorial Day weekend, so late May, and I will be doing a lecture about the moon, Uranus, and ancestral healing. So I hope to see you there. And just keep in mind, you can always schedule a session with me. I do have initial consults available and ongoing sessions and somatic exploration sessions, which have been really incredible lately because they kind of start off with a body scan, and then we just go with your inner imagery. So, you know, pain that comes up or sensations in the body or memories or um, sometimes spirit work is involved. So it can go in a lot of different directions and it's really profoundly healing. So check any of those things out if you want. AquarianSpirals.com. Okay, so let's just get into the astrology of now. And you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is how, how we can resource ourselves. And, you know, this is a timely topic, but it's particularly on my mind because Venus is entering Taurus on May 16th. And so, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit more in depth in a moment, but how do we make astrology a resource? Like in terms of having it resource us in ways that help us to feel um, grounded, supported, equipped to deal with our lives. Um, and so one thing I always just like to remind you to keep in mind is that when you're working with astrology, 
it is not just an invitation to like, you know, nerd out about things or get your mind going. And in fact, sometimes astrology can really be really dysregulating. And so always step away from it if that's what it's doing for you. But when there's a lot of like big astrology stuff going on, you're and you're an astro fan, you're going to be exposed to a lot of different people's takes on what's happening. And so just a reminder to always remember that following astrology, practicing astrology is an invitation to remember that we get to interface with what is happening. We get to participate in what's happening and that the magic of astrology and the usefulness of astrology is directly linked to our ability to use it to bring conscious awareness to what is happening. And when we do that, we're able to see, you know, the, the, the shadow potentials of things, the heavier potentials of things, but we're also able to actively work towards the life-enhancing potentials of astrology, the life-enhancing potentials of the archetypes, right? So like Saturn can be really heavy and leaden and can, you know, bring up circumstantial blocks, but... Saturn can also be an energy that we work with that helps us to focus. Saturn can be really constructive. And so particularly when we are going through periods that involve Saturn and Neptune, which we are right now because Saturn just entered Pisces and is therefore co-present with Neptune, but also because, you know, the, the next couple years are the closing of a Saturn-Neptune cycle. So they're going to be conjunct, you know, by the end of 2025 into 2026. One of the things that can happen is that, you know, the, the world-building material world power of Saturn can bring Neptune, the Neptunian realms into reality. And that can be a really incredible thing, you know, like, what can you envision? What have you fantasized about? Okay, how can Saturn help you to work towards that? But, you know, one of the ways that I see astrology working in the world around me is that, you know, we have a lot of consciousness raising going on right now, but we have a lot of unconsciousness. And, and this energy can also manifest what is most unconscious, what is most leaden? What is most heavy? You know, it's that kind of like, what is rippling and being repressed and needs to be faced. And then it kind of materializes through the merging of these two energies. And so again, like remembering that although astrology has very faded principles at work, the, that's normally operating more at the level of the spiritual, the emotional, the psychological, the unseen, the subtle. And so where free will comes in, where agency comes in, is how we respond, how we react, how we work with, and how we bring conscious awareness to what's happening. So, you know, it's not just to like look at astrology or listen to astrologers talk about astrology and be like, oh, this is what's going to happen to me. It's saying, okay, how can I work with this? And that is really the practice of like using astrology as a way of life. 
And I just think that that's really important to keep in mind because it kind of grounds the practice. Now, that's not to say that sometimes it doesn't feel like (laughs) astrology is happening to you. And that's where things like spiritual practice are going to help, right? Like, what are the containers that you build? What are the relationships that you have? What are your resources? Okay. So the first thing that, you know, kind of happened this month is that Saturn entered Pisces. And I have a lecture that I did earlier this month about that for Astro Circle. Um, You, if you joined at the $20 level, you get access to that full archive of five years worth of workshops. Whoa. Could you like join for $20 and then like blow through that more than 30, the more than 30 recorded workshops and then discontinue your membership? Yes, in fact, you could. But that's besides the point. The Saturn and Pisces lecture is in there. I also talked about it quite extensively in my astrology of 2023 reading. So, you know, I don't, I think I just kind of want to riff on this here. And, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is like that astrology has been in a renaissance for a while now, but this seems like the first shift Saturn moving into Pisces Um, So the first shift of a slower moving planet into a new sign since Astrolandia flat out blew up in the collective. Like astrology has been going through a renaissance since probably like, you know, 2014, 2015 is when it really started kicking in. But when the pandemic started, so many people turned to astrology. And so this is the first time that we're like all witnessing this big moment together and the buzz behind this transit is something I can definitely get behind. I love the feeling that we're all paying attention to this shift together. Um, And so there's so many different things that you can see and read and listen to about Saturn and Pisces. I posted some memes on Instagram. Um, But as I've tried to kind of figure out how to zero in on a particular aspect of it, Um, I keep coming back to one facet that I don't see being talked about a ton. And it happens to be a topic near and dear to my heart and my work. So I just kind of want to take a bit of time to talk about it with you. So, you know, spoiler alert, that is the potentials of Saturn and Pisces as being a time period. So we've got about three years where creating containers for grief work seems super important. Will I always say that that's an important endeavor? Yes. Do I think that Saturn and Pisces is a particularly appropriate energetic combination for this work? Also, yes. So, you know, we've reached a moment when Saturn, planet of structure, linear time, maturation, limitation, crystallization, um, is returning to the watery depths of Pisces, the Piscean abyss. And this shift is remarkable for several reasons, one of which is that for the last five to six years, Saturn has been traveling through its home sign, its home signs of Aquarius and Capricorn, and therefore Saturn has been very strong. And we already live in a highly Saturnian world. And the initial shift of Saturn into Aquarius coincided with a global lockdown, and we were confronted with the necessity of having actual physical walls between us. 
And we were confronted with, you know, the ways that some of our social safety nets, that's Aquarius, were up to the task. So while others were not. And Saturn can kind of bring cold, hard reality checks into play, like what needs to be restructured. And then during its time in Aquarius, much of which was squaring the lunar nodes, issues of mental health came front and center. And I mean, to say that isolation, not to mention global pandemic and a multitude of other intensely leaden and difficult realities took a toll is an understatement. But one of the necessary yet difficult conundrums of living through personal or collective crisis is that we often have to maintain a kind of like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, this too shall pass mentality, you know, trudging through it. And I mean, at least that's the way that I have been coping with it. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that there are a multitude of other coping strategies at play as well. Um, but one of the manifestations of Saturn in Pisces can be seen as a response to Saturn in Aquarius. So where Saturn in Aquarius isolated and compartmentalized, building containers within and without, Pisces is the del deluge that kind of like knocks down those seawalls. Right? So in that, what was once contained can begin to flow. Once was once what was once, you know, cordoned off can be overwhelmed. And it's kind of making me think of one of the questions I often ask myself, which is, you know, how do you keep an open heart while also being awake to the realities of this world? Um, I, I'm definitely a lover and feeler of the whole unbearable lightness of being thing. Uh, but this world pushes that way past the edges of comfort all the time. So that overwhelm, you know, it's... <laughs> It's, it's a big thing. And I, so my point on all of this, and I, I do have one, is that, you know, again, Saturn and Pisces is a time when creating containers for grief work would be extraordinarily helpful and necessary and worthwhile. Um, and just as Saturn can get overwhelmed and broken apart at the bottom of the ocean, it can also create vessels that can hold the waters of life, right? Like the chalice, the cup, the therapy session, the grief ritual. And, you know, I've, I've, hmm, I have tried to host grief rituals over the years and I always get a lot of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do that. I want to do that. But then nobody shows up. Um, I'm open to trying it again. I don't know about doing it online, but if that's something that's interesting to you, please do email me and let me know and I'll see where the vibe is. Um, but so it's also just kind of worth noting that we're on the verge of ending another significant cycle. So as Saturn enters Pisces, it's drifting towards a conjunction with Neptune, which is also currently in Pisces. And, you know, what makes this really intriguing, interesting, potent, powerful, um, gives it some extra weight is that the conjunction itself, which takes place in January of 2026, so the exact conjunction, um, occurs in zero degrees of Aries. And zero Aries is a very potent part of the Zodiac. It's referred to as the Aries point. You know, it's got this like super duper oomph, oomphed up um, initiatory energy to it. It is the beginning of beginnings. Uh, and, you know, Pisces and Saturn each have their own mechanisms of denial. So does Neptune. 
uh, Pisces and Neptune kind of like they cling to fantasy and don the rose colored glasses and idealize and dissociate and escape. And this isn't because it's like, la la la, I'm just going to escape. It's because again, like the, the feeling in Pisces of being so close to the, the abyss, the undifferentiated or the feeling with a Neptune transit where everything is kind of like dissolving and going through dissolution we have an instinct to cling on to the real or what we think is real. So that can be identity structures, that can be relationships, that can be beliefs. Saturn avoids or denies more through repression, um, containment, compartmentalization, or like building walls between the harsher realities and the need to just keep going or, you know, building walls to keep the overwhelm contained. And neither is inherently bad, but we need, you know, we need doses of escape. We need doses of fantasy. We need compartmentalization sometimes to be a really handy helper when emotions are big and you got to get shit done. So Saturn contains overwhelm. Um, And I think, you know, when I think about Saturn... I think a lot about legacy, you know, like what world am I building for not just future generations, like, you know, my, my friend's children, but like seven generations down the line, what, what legacy am I leaving, um, the earth? How am I contributing to the ability of the earth and its beings to survive and thrive? And I don't, I have a hard time doing that kind of thinking without honoring my, my pain and my grief for what's happening in the world. And then through that, you know, clearing out some space for the new goals, the new ideas to come in and then take shape and and give me ways to work towards them. And so that kind of grief ritual in general can be really handy, but also like we're coming through a pandemic. It's still very much present. Um, But there's a lot that we have had to let go of. There's a lot of sacrifice in the mix and there's just a lot of unprocessed emotion. And so I think that there is, you know, potential at that heavier side of things for Saturn and Pisces to be really freaking hard at the level of mental health and soulful health and emotional health. And so making active use of it involves finding those containers and processes that help with help us to process art spiritual work grief ritual therapy connection remembrance of divinity okay so being as i've already gone on for like half an hour i'm going to end this segment here And so not moving too far away from that kind of Saturn-Neptune energy, you know, today as I'm recording this, we are dealing with the third of three uh, squares between Mars and Neptune. And so, you know, Mars has been in Gemini forever. Um, The first square was in mid-October. The second square was in mid-November. You could think about what was going on there to kind of like, you know, complete the story with what's happening now. Um, In short, at the personal level, you know, it can be a time of passive aggressiveness. It's definitely a time to like 
maybe avoid gossip. Maybe, you know, keep your, keep your lie detector out a little bit. Um, but I just had to laugh because <laughs> yesterday leaders of the U.S., Australia, and Britain, I believe, met to talk about um, <laughs> uh, nuclear-powered submarines. Not nuclear-armed, but sharing, like, information and, and you know, I, I don't know if the U.S. is, like, selling submarines to Australia, but whatever. There's an exchange of information going on about nuclear-powered submarines, and I was like, OMG, the, the strategies of war, Mars, um, talks about them, Gemini, and frickin' Neptune and Pisces, the ocean, a, sub, a submarine vessel. Uh, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting, just at the kind of, like, literal metaphor of this kind of energy type of thing. I was expecting some stuff to go out, to go down with Twitter, just because that was what was happening, you know, at the beginning of this experience we've had with Mars dancing with Neptune or squaring Neptune, I should say, for an extended period of time. And it didn't come up quite as I expected it to, but it did come up in terms of what's happening with uh, Silicon Bank collapsing and another bank based out of New York. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a freaking expert on these things. I don't particularly enjoy economics. I get really like miffed about the fact that People seem to forget that economics is a social science, not a hard science, and like removing that part of it just really fucks everything up. Um, and I, at one time, contemplating getting a master's degree in economics just so I could try and single-handedly tear down the system, but you know, that's another story. My point is <laughs> that um, during this collapse this past weekend. Um, one of the things that happened is that, you know, this is, this is a, it's not a small bank. It's actually a large bank. There's a bigger story here. If you want like a good 30 minute version of it, I recommend listening to the episode that the daily just put out about it. But, you know, it had the investment money of a lot of really wealthy people, Silicon Valley people, la la la. Um, P.S. Here's your normal reminder that I am not an apolitical astrologer because, I have thoughts about things that I don't keep to myself. And because to me, what some people consider politics are actually like just matters of human rights, like access to resources that keep you alive. Anyway, again, um, so, you know, really well-connected people who are also really, you know, connected to the technological world went onto social media and essentially like, you know, use social media as a tool for communication and networking to get their needs met. What were their needs? You know, getting bailed out, essentially. So again, this use of social media in ways that are pretty, you know, manipulative, maybe dishonest, um, doesn't need regulation, you know, all these questions come up and... This is also interesting because it brings up another one of the core things that we are going to talk about here. My mind's going in a couple different directions right now, though, so let me just take a breath for a moment and see what's up. 
Nope, can't get it. So the other piece that's really interesting about this, this banking collapse, essentially, is that, you know, when Pluto entered Capricorn, which was a process that was, took place between 2007 and 2008, we got a banking collapse. Now, this isn't, you know, that this happens. Banks, banks fail. But in 2008, as you might remember, this was banks that were too big to fail. And thus started, you know, kind of set the stage for the core themes of Pluto and Capricorn. You know, Capricorn being these kind of the, the infrastructure and institutions of our society and economics and money and all of these things. Um, so as we had Pluto going into Capricorn, banks collapsing. And what happens? They get bailed out and taxpayers play the burden or sorry, not play the burden, but take the burden. And so, you know, flash forward, you know, th then there were regulations that were put in place. And so, you know, Pluto is kind of transforming our relationship to these Capricornian things. So then re regulations are put in place. So one of the things that happens, I believe around 2018 is that some, you know, CEOs of banks or directors of banks or whatever they're called are rallying to get some of these regulations removed. And among them, the higher ups at Silicon Bank. Um, again, please do your own research here or like read some news stories because I'm <laughs> terrible with this stuff. But they wanted regulations to be removed because they're not that big and because essentially, you know, they wanted more people to invest money in their banks so that they could support more startups and blah, 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 blah. And that worked. Some of those, you know, regulations were removed. So now we have Capricorn in the final degree, sorry, Pluto in the final degree of Capricorn. And it will be moving into Aquarius next week. Um exact date, March 23rd. And, and so we see the return of this core theme. What happens when banks, when financial institutions collapse? And so, you know, side note, Pluto moving into Aquarius is a process. It's going to be Aquarius for like two months. And then it's going to retrograde back into these final degrees of Capricorn. Then it's going to go into Aquarius again. Then it's going to retrograde back again. So we don't get like the final entry into Aquarius until the end of, eh, end of 2024, beginning of 2025. Okay. So we still have a lot of Pluto and Capricorn wrap ups to do. And the big finale of this is going to be this summer. Or I should say the big kind of climax of this is this summer when Pluto will be squaring the lunar nodes. So we really have, you know, all these themes. It's like, what progress have we made? And so how are we going to shift this story into Aquarius? And so, you know, it's um, interesting slash frustrating slash mm, a couple other things to me that what essentially ended up happening with this financial collapse is that, you know, the, the systems were in place to make it so that it hopefully doesn't cause an economic collapse in the way that it did in 2008. But this bank was FDIC insured so that people will get 
up to $250,000 of any money that they lose in a collapse back. People who had more than that, not guaranteed. However, people had, people and companies had huge amounts of money in this bank, like just sitting in bank account accounts. One company had like half a billion dollars sitting in this bank account. And so part of the pressure that's happening is they're putting pressure on the government to give them their money back. And this is part of why social media was being used in these kind of campaigns to get support. And ultimately speaking, the government has stepped out, stepped in and said, yes, you will get your money back now. And it's not going to be at the burden of the taxpayer. It'll be at the burden of the banks. But one of the things that this does is kind of sets the expectation that it doesn't matter how much money you have sitting in a bank. If the bank fails, you will get your money back. So like, what are the implications and repercussions of that? And how does that impact uh, risks that people will take? So developing storyline for this dance between Pluto and Aquarius and, and Pluto in Capricorn. And so, you know, another kind of interesting piece of this, if we're thinking about this more longer term, is that, you know, between, you know, really when Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008 until 2020, we're dealing with um, a square between Uranus and Pluto. And that square was most dynamic and active between about 2012 and 2016. Um and what it's representing is at some level a crisis because it's a square aspect. But Uranus is kind of trying to break down the structures or sorry, break down, yeah, break down the structures of Capricorn, um, kind of like throwing lightning bolts into the underbelly of our, the Plutonian aspects of our infrastructures and our systems. Um, and you see at the beginning of that, the, the, you know, Arab Spring and uprisings and people kind of coming into awareness of not just, you know, wealth gaps, ginormous wealth gaps, but all of the different inequities and inequalities and power dynamics that are baked into our systems. And so something that's kind of interesting to me, I was watching the Changing of the Gods, the most recent episode of the Changing of the Gods documentary that talked about upcoming world transits is that, you know, you have this dynamic between Pluto and, and Uranus that has so informed what has happened on the in the world for the past 20 years. And then you had Saturn come into the mix, Saturn-Pluto, beginning of a pandemic, January 2020. 20 showing more of the you know the 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 gross inequities in our systems and how frayed and fragile our medical system is and our postal system and our economic system and then saturn comes into play with the other of the two actors uranus and we had you know 2021 and a decent part of 2022 with Saturn interfacing with Uranus, like essentially saying, okay, what was, you know, born, uncovered? What were the energies at play during that Pluto-Uranus square? And now Saturn is crystallizing them and saying like, look, look at them. And some of them are good too, 
right? But there's a lot that still needs to be dealt with. And Saturn is really clarifying and crystallizing these things as it interfaces with these two big players. Okay. So yes, lots going on this month. Um, so bringing it back to kind of like where I started with Venus moving into Taurus on March 16th. Um, I'm thinking about this notion of like going into a new moon on the 24th that is just a super initiatory chart, right? Like it's a, it is a fresh start chart. Like if you have big intentions that you want to sow, if you have magic that you want to do around fresh starts, like it's a really interesting time to be working with that and kind of building up to that. And one of the ways I've been suggesting that people work with it is in this lunar cycle leading up to that new moon, you know, what do you need to let go of? What, do, How do you need to make space in your life? How can you make space in your life for what is going to be ushered in? And so then we have all these astrological changes as well. So then Venus going into Taurus is that question of like, okay, what, what are my resources? But also like, it's such a pleasure activism type of signature because as Venus moves through Taurus, um, it's going to come into a conjunction with Uranus. Ooh, pleasure activism. That's lovely. Um, so if you haven't read that book by Adrian Marie Brown or listened to podcasts about it, I would highly recommend that. Um, but there's also, you know, Venus is going to come into a pretty immediate conjunction with the North Node. And so there's this question of like, what are you hungry for? And that can be at the very personal level. Although I always recommend a kind of like a dedication of merit practice at the very baseline so that you are connecting the inner and the outer. And so that astrology is still practical at the, at the larger level. But what are you hungry for? What is the place of pleasure in your life? How can that ripple out? Um, now, keeping in mind that Venus conjunct the North Node, you know, the North Node can be kind of like a destiny point. What are we moving towards? And that's great. It can also just be over hungry. <laughs> you know, if you think of like the dragon that doesn't have the belly, which is part of the mythology of it, you know, it can just be like too much feeding, too much food. Um so pay attention to that energy as well. And so this also kind of gets into this territory of if you think of Venus and Taurus as preparation, you know, more of that kind of like mm, lovely aesthetic preparation for the spring and for transition, there is so much other transition that I'm not even talking about, right? And the, the, the last one that I'll, I'll mention is just, you know, as Mars comes into this final square with Neptune, it's also going to frickin' finally be leaving its shadow. Okay, so Mars retrograde ended January 12th, but Mars has still been revisiting the territory that it went through during the retrograde. And so March... Oh goodness, I want to say the end of this week, but I need to I need to look it up again. Yeah, so 
the end of this week, Mars is going to finally be leaving its shadow and we'll have new territory still in Gemini. But then March 25th, Mars moves into Cancer. Never have I ever been so excited for a new Mars experience because my goodness, my brain, my monkey mind just won't turn off. Mars and Gemini is like, there's no meditation. There's no like coming into the lower body. It's just thinking. It's just thinking all the time. And so that switch into cancer, you know, you know, (laughs) Mars in cancer, some will say is in its fall. Um, Or is it whatever, it's in debility. Um, But to me, I'm just like, yeah, give me something different. But I think that that also can, can facilitate slash maybe force the processing of emotions. Saturn and Pisces as well. Okay, Mars into a water sign. You know, I think that most likely some crankiness, you might want to plan for some crankiness. Just as your your emotions start to get prodded a little bit. I think that, you know, it could it could be a feistier energy. It can also be very protective, like mama bear energy. But again, to me, it's like change, something different. Oof, that sounds great. It might be a different part of your chart. Also cool. Um, but things are shifting. Things are changing. Okay. You know, one of the other things that I've been bouncing around a lot as I think about Saturn and Pisces, Saturn co-present with Neptune is, um, and I might have heard this somewhere. I don't, I don't think this is an original Amanda thought, (laughs) Um, but I've been thinking a lot about the process of moving through a near death experience. Okay. Um, And I think really specifically about like, I had an experience where I was whitewater river rafting as a team bonding event at a a workplace. (laughs) And our raft ended up going down the wrong part of the river and ended up getting, you know, ended up flipping as we came up against debris. And I was forced down to the bottom of the river and I could see you know, bodies floating above me. Other people were in the boat and I could see like the surface of the water and I could feel my body being smashed against these rocks. And so I had awareness of like my bones, think Saturn, um, being controlled by all of this water. And I just had this moment of like, that's it. And it was very calm. It was very peaceful. But it was like this, that's it. And then I was like, you know, flung back to the surface and (laughs) clearly lived to tell the story. But we are kind of living through a near-death, maybe many near-death experiences at once, right? We're living through great extinctions. We're living through the dying gasps of a capitalist economic system. Um, Maybe you have experienced encounters with death in your life in the last couple of years that you're still processing, So again, I think that as the energy shifts and changes and moves forward, although it's not going to be like a click, everything's new and fresh now, um, I think that making space for processing these things, giving yourself some grace, uh, 
if you do feel cranky, letting yourself feel excited if that's where the energy takes you while not losing sight of the fact that, you know, things, things are still going down. I think that that could be a helpful way to work with it. And so I'm thinking about something else about Venus, which I, you know, I've already talked about Venus, but it's a little bit of an afterthought. I think it's just interesting to note that Venus is going to be making this tour through Taurus, kind of like grounding things while we have so much initiatory energy going on. Um, and it'll be the last conjunction that Venus is going to make to the North Node while ruler of the North Node, right? So Venus has been ruling the North Node since it entered Taurus. And in July of this year, the nodes are going to change. So the North Node will switch into Aries and become Mars ruled. And the South Node is going to switch into Libra and become Venus ruled. So Venus will go from ruling the North Node, so energy that we can consciously bring in and activate in order to, to participate in collective evolution, something that's being developed. That's the North Node. And we'll switch to being the ruler of the South Node which is more about the ways as a collective we're being asked to release patterns that aren't working. So Venus as ruler of North of the South node in Libra is more talking about what relational patterns need to be released at the personal and collective levels. Um, what roles do we play that aren't working anymore? What is our collective and personal relationship with diplomacy? And how does that need to change and be released so that something new can be activated? Aries. And so I think that, you know, for those of us who are Venusianly inclined, really paying attention to what's coming in with this Venus-Taurus transit, Venus conjunct the North Node, Venus conjunct um, Uranus, and maybe getting some foreshadowing of what Jupiter and Taurus is going to be like. And so the last thing, what I will leave you with is that in thinking about this closing Saturn-Neptune cycle, there is something to be said for the fortification, Saturn, of hope. The fortification of hope. How do we fortify ourselves to live through these times? How do we make hope a grounded, active principle. There's a book by Joanna Macy called Active Hope. Um, and you know, I don't have all the answers to that, but you've heard me say it once and I'll say it again. Spiritual practice, spiritual connection, connection with the other worlds, making time for silence, making time to walk down the street and say hello to the trees and the birds and the squirrels and notice them, right? To make that hope a principle that can be based and rooted in what is best for the whole, what is best for the all. Okay. 
So again, my friends, thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, needs, please feel free to contact me. My website's AquarianSpirals.com. Um, I always appreciate shares of this here podcast. I always appreciate likes. Um, if you want to support the work, again, Patreon, patreon.com slash AquarianSpirals. You can join um, at a $3 level to just like support the work. You don't have to take place and you don't have to participate in the incentives I offer. You can just give me money. That's fine. That helps. That goes to fund things like the time I spend doing admin work, the time I spend researching, the time I spend writing, the time that is not actively with clients and students. Okay. Wishing you all the best. Happy Aries new moon. Happy change, happy, different. I'll see you around. Consensus.